Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome back to the That's What She Said with Danny podcast. Alexa Dat, Danny Wexelman. And this week on the show, Danny, I was trying to think about whether we have talked to anyone from the Dodgers, such a storied franchise in baseball. We haven't talked to anyone on the Dodgers yet, have we? No, we've been trying to get someone from this team. That's going to change today because today we are going to have Dodger starter Ross Stripling join the podcast. And I'm so excited not only to talk to him, but to dive into the Dodgers. This has been one of the most successful teams of our generation. They've won the NLS seven straight years. They've got Clayton Kershaw, who is the most decorated pitcher of our generation. Two MVPs in Cody Bellinger, who just celebrated a birthday, and Mookie Betts, one of the newest additions to the team. And also, we're having all of that play out in our new normal in baseball. So what are the chances that this is the year for the Dodgers in a 60-game sprint? We're going to ask Ross that. All right, Danny, let's go ahead and welcome Ross into the podcast because we're super psyched to talk to a member of the Dodgers. Ross, how are you? How is getting ready for this season been for you? Oh, it's been, oh, we're going already, huh? Yeah, we're jumping right into it. We did our intro, we recorded our intro, so we can just jump right into it. Cool, perfect. Uh, You know what, everything's kind of normal once you get to the field, which is a hard thing to imagine, right? I mean, obviously we're wearing masks and it's kind of regimented on when you can go into certain areas, training room, specifically weight room as well. But um, really, once you get in there, you can get all your normal work done. Coaches can still do as much coaching as normal. You know, I threw a bullpen yesterday and I still had our head pitching coach, our bullpen coach couple of guys from the front office like everyone's still around watching a part of practice so uh and then we're I think we played eight innings in an inner squad yesterday so it's kind of business as usual once you get there it's just uh it's definitely you know obviously different just from the masks and the stuff that you see no fans we got some cardboard cutouts in random places right now in the in the in the bleachers so it's you know it's definitely different but looks like we're gonna be able to pull it off so we talked to um, Todd Frazier last week who had mentioned he had to remind himself to spit before he put his mask on. And, and then he was trying to like warm his hands up and he was breathing through his mask because he forgot he had it on. So like <laughs> as far as all these like new protocols go and, and just trying to follow all the rules that are in place, not only by MLB, but by the Dodgers too, right? Um, how are you navigating all of that? Well, you know, our, our training staff, just hates their lives right now right I mean they are so busy and they're on the phone constantly you know you mentioned MLB and and the teams and those kind of protocols that you're getting we're also subject to LA County and LA County has some pretty strict rules where we have um, like a 14-day contact tracing rule where uh, I believe Pedro Baez couldn't show up for the first 14 days or so because he was just around someone that tested positive days before he was even around him or maybe after Uh, and uh, you know, because of LA County, he had to spend two weeks away from the team and now he's kind of playing catch up. So the way you get around it is just is, is be smart, right? Wear your mask where you're supposed to wear your mask. Uh, don't go to the bars. Don't go to restaurants, you know, do the social distancing thing because, you know, the last thing you want to be is the guy that makes someone sit out two weeks because you got sick and then you were around him and now he has to sit out two weeks for contact tracing. So it's, it's you know, be smart. We understand that this season already is a bit major challenge just to get it off the ground. And uh, you don't want to be a reason to, to have a pullback just because, you know, you wanted to go get a beer with your buddy or whatever. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Well, a lot of the players, like Danny mentioned, that we've talked to have mentioned that things that have become second nature to them in the game are things that they have to remind themselves to stop doing. Is there something that you've 
almost done or come close to doing that you have to be like, man, I got to check myself when I have to do that. <laughs> well, the spitting thing and is so weird. Uh, I don't know. I don't like, I don't spit. I hunt in the off season. I don't like spit while I'm sitting in the deer blind. I don't know why there's like some this like weird association with spitting. Uh, it's like part of my pitch routine. I like grab a ball. I put it in my glove. I tow the rubber and I like do this little spit. And I'm like, God, it's so embarrassing that I can't get rid of that. And even with no fans the other day on my live BP, or I guess it was a full-blown inter-squad, you could hear me. I would like spin. I'd be like, God, I got to stop. You know, it, it just, you just keep doing it. And um, yeah, that's, that's for whatever reason, that must just be muscle memory, like ingrained in my pitch routine that I just cannot get rid of. I've seen some pictures of you guys though, also having a good time out there. And I know that like, despite all the, all the hard things about this, you guys are still playing a kid's game. You're still having fun. Like you still want fans to see you guys um, with smiles on your faces, even if it's the weirdest thing you've ever done in your whole life. What's the, what's the lighter side of summer camp like? Well, it's, it's baseball, right? I mean, we're getting yeah. to play a kid's a kid's game for a living again after unprecedented time off, right? I mean, we had some summer months off when we're used to being 80 games into a season right now and thinking that this season may have never happened. And now we're going to get a chance to play. And, and you're seeing those smiles and, and excitement coming out on the field and those inner squads that you're watching. And it's just, you know, it's fun to play your own team. Obviously you love the competitiveness of playing someone in the division and we're ready to, you know, see the giants in the batter's box as opposed to Cody Muncy. <laughs> Mookie bets, you know, I'm ready to pitch to someone else. But, you know, it's fun when Jock's up to bat and Belly's talking trash from center field and there's not a fan in the stands. You can hear everything that he says. Like, that's, that's fun right now, you know. So you're seeing that side of it. But, you know, once, once the lights come on and, and we're playing someone else, it'll get intense quickly because this, this is going to be the first season that's a sprint instead of a marathon, right? 60 games and every game matters from the start. So it'll get serious real quick. So we're just enjoying it while it lasts right now. What's the biggest difference mentally for a player to get your mind around the fact that you're preparing for a 60-game sprint instead of 162 games? Well, you know, there's always the, you know, kind of the cutthroat nature of having to get off to a good start, right? As a pitcher, if you have a tough two starts, you're going to be spending the rest of the season just trying to get your numbers back down from, you know, moon levels and then uh, if you start in a little bit of a slump you're going to also be spending the rest of the season trying to get your batting ba average back up right you just there's not that much time and that's you know on a personal level and then as a team same thing like if you start off six and 12 six and 15 I mean you're playing catch up from the start you're almost at maybe out of time if you get off to a start like that so it's it's about you know, this right now is, is also a sprint just to get ready. These three weeks of summer training, get, uh, get starting pitchers built up, get your guys as many ABs as you can, get your relief pitchers to try and do some back-to-back -back appearances if you can to get them ready for that. And, um, and the teams that kind of accept the crazy protocols and the, you know, kind of coronavirus world that we're living in right now and are, are open to these changes and this craziness, those are going to be the teams that have success early because they're going to be kind of open to whatever and ready for whatever. And, uh, you know, the teams that maybe kind of try and fight against it or, or whatever are going to be at a disadvantage early. So I, I think it's just about understanding that it's a strange year and accept it for what it is and, and uh, just go get after it. So you mentioned the rotation, you mentioned getting off to a good start and obviously you have worked to cement a spot for yourself in that starting rotation. And 
Um, you know, we've watched you the past few years on the Dodgers and working your way through uh, different roles. You've played a lot of different roles for the rotation. And I know that you're proud of that, but I also know that you, you want that starting spot. So one, why is it so important to you this season to earn that starting role? Well, it's just always a pride thing, you know, and I have a lot of pride in being kind of that hybrid guy. I, I think I've created a nice little niche role for myself with the Dodgers. And I think there's a lot of value in the guy that can kind of bridge a short start to the back end of the bullpen, throwing two or three innings out of the pen, facing the lineup a full time, and then getting into like a Kenley Jansen and doing that every other day, every three days. But, you know, I've, I've always said that my arsenal fits better as a starter. And, and I think when I've gotten a chance to start, in the big leagues, I've done well. I haven't really lost my job because of stats, because of failure. I've lost it because we just have guys that are really, really good. And sometimes that's the way it goes. So I wanted to come in ready to go. I came in built up. I mean, I came in ready for four innings, thinking that that would be a good, you know, you could point to that and be like, oh, he's ready to start. He's ready to soak up innings for us. And I thought, you know, um, I guess David Price ended up opting out, obviously. So that kind of opened up a spot. And I've always said, I just want my name to be in the hat as much as anyone for that opportunity. And the fact that I was built up to four innings, I threw six the other day. I'm supposed to throw maybe seven up to like 90 pitches this coming one. So um, just the fact that they could look at that and be like, he's built up, made it very easy to choose me as a you know potential candidate for the uh, for the rotation. And, um, you know, so just kind of pushing the envelope and, and kind of like making them keep looking at me. And um, that's kind of always been my mantra, I guess. All right, Ross, we wanted to ask you because I saw an article recently that ranked baseball's top rotations from start to finish right now. So I think it was, it was an MLB.com article that ranked the top 10 rotations in baseball, starting with the Nationals. The Rays were number two, Reds came in number three, then it was the Indians, then at number five was the Dodgers. So as a member of that rotation, what do you think about those rankings? Well, you know, that, that one, I think that one's pretty accurate. And I'm not saying we deserve to be one, or, but we definitely deserve to be in the top five. And I think you can kind of all interchange them there. The, the bullpen one was an interesting one. If you saw that one, the bullpen had the Padres as like the number two bullpen. And I remember looking at Kirsch and being like, dude, I can't even name two people in their bullpen. But then he starts naming them off and they're all just like young kids that throw a hundred. And I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty nasty <laughs> bullpen. But um, I tell you what, man, those are all really good staffs. And obviously we lose David Price, a Cy Young winner. That one hurts, you know, but we got guys like Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, Julio Urias that can fill in that are really, really good and really talented and, and are going to hold up just fine. Um, you know, the, the, the couple ones that people probably were surprised to see in there, the Rays, you know, the Rays like just sneaky win 90 games a year and no one knows anything about them. Uh, the Reds, you know, now think about their rotation. Sonny Gray, how good he looked last year. Castilla plus um, what now they got Trevor Bauer. So, I mean, mm-hmm. gosh, that's a really good rotation. So just to, you know, be included in a top five of rotations and for me to be a chance to actually be in that rotation is, is pretty cool. So, you know, we'll take the top five. Kind of feels like we're underdogs a little bit because we're usually probably one or two, right? So now we're, like, hungry to get back up to the top. How much are you paying attention? Because there has been, you know, a lot going on. Besides paying attention to your to your own self and, and what's going on in the world, you also know a lot about these clubs. Is that important to you to know that or pay attention or be aware of that? Because I don't know if that's the case for every guy who plays baseball. Well – you know, you naturally just start to know and memorize 
the guys that are in division. Obviously, like I can spit out Buster Posey's and Nolan Arenado's and Charlie Blackman's, you know, stats and, and uh, scouting report. Like it's just ingrained in me, right? But now we're switching up because we're going to have the AL West in there as well. So now it's, it's time. I got to go look at the Astros and the Rangers and the Mariners and, and see a lot of guys that I don't know at all. You know, yeah. I've faced the Angels plenty of times, but I haven't pitched against the Astros since that World Series. Um, I've only pitched against the Mariners in spring training. I don't know if I've ever pitched against Oakland. So, you know, now it's wow. kind of get to know these new guys. And, and, you know, I feel like a pitcher typically has an advantage there because they've never seen me before. So it's not like um, I'm, you know, s- s- awake at night wondering what the Oakland Athletics are thinking <laughs> about me, you know. But it'll, it'll be fun to scout some new guys when that opportunity comes up. Speaking of new guys, Mookie Betts does get to dress up in Dodger blue. We were a little concerned about that if the season was canceled, but we're going to have a season and we're going to get to see Mookie Betts play for the Dodgers. How important has what you've seen from him so far been for your guys' team and what you're going to see going into the 2020 season? He's unbelievable. He really is. And on a team that already has unbelievable talent, right? I mean, with the Cody Bellingers and the Corey Seegers of the world and then really smart players like Justin Turner, Mookie's like a combination of both of them. I mean, the other day I threw him a 1-0 curveball and it was a third at bat and I didn't think I'd, I hadn't thrown him a curveball yet and he just whacks it for a double down the line. And he comes up to me later and he's like, dude, I knew you were throwing a curveball right there. And I was like, Mookie, how the heck did you know I was throwing a curveball right there? I haven't thrown you one. I've thrown you 12 pitches and I hadn't thrown you a curveball. And he's like, I just knew. And I was like, all right, dude. You know, like he just, he's like head and shoulders, like more cerebral than anyone I feel like I played with besides maybe a Justin Turner. Like he, you can just tell he's thinking with you when he's in the box. And that's just so frustrating as a pitcher. And then obviously just a phenomenal outfielder and just a great dude, MVP, going to be a really good leader for us in the locker room. And uh, I mean, we're just, head and shoulders excited to have him obviously because I mean we already have such a good lineup and now you throw him in there it's just it's going to be almost unpitchable. So Mookie has your back when he's batting and he also has your back when he's on the bases because there's this video of you and him and you kind of flare your pinky out and then he comes up to you and kind of puts his hand in your glove what what's going on there? Yeah, so that's even a totally different story. That's he's on second base, and uh, he can see inside my glove, and I flare my pinky on my changeup a little bit, and he's like, dude, I can see in your glove that your pinky's doing that, and I could relay to him that a changeup's coming. And I was like, well, yeah, obviously, I guess. Um, you know, so as far as your question, I'm, I'm thankful. Yeah, tell me that all day because, I mean – gosh, I'm trying to get the best hitters in the world out, right? If I'm tipping anything, I need to know. And uh, I'm just thankful that he feels like he knows me well enough already to come up and do that. Cause some guys will think that that just will really screw us up mentally, you know? And um, I- I'm happy that he came up and told me that. And just another way that he's ce- cerebral and, and just a good teammate and a good guy to have around because uh, I mean, that that's instantly helping me and making me get better. Another one of your teammates, Kike Hernandez decided he's going to play the season, even though his wife is pregnant. We've obviously mentioned, we've seen several baseball players, um, decide to opt out or not. What did you think about that decision when Kike decided, you know what, I'm sticking with the team, especially because my free agency year, this is it. So I, I have to put all my eggs in this basket right now. Yeah, I'm sure that was a decision that weighed hard on his heart as well as his wife, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's scary times. I mean, we're seeing that with Mike Trout, right? The Angels are doing everything they can to make sure that Mike Trout can be there when his baby's born in August. It, um, 
you know, obviously he's one of my favorite teammates I've ever had. I'm really excited. He, he's going to play this year and, and head into a free agent year. You know, I hope he gets a ton of at-bats and he goes and kills it. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily know the stats. I'm sure Kike knows better, Mike Trout knows better, of, of how this virus can potentially, you know, affect pregnant women and, and babies and, and babies that are still in the womb and babies that are infants just born. You know, I don't, I don't obviously have that information, but I assume that they do and they feel comfortable enough that – you know, God forbid something were to happen and they do get sick, that they would be okay and he could be there for them. So, uh, but yeah, that, that's a tough decision and, and certainly one that no one takes lightly. And you, we've seen guys opt out. No one judges the guys that opt out, that's for sure. But, um, you know, obviously excited to have Kike opt in and, and be a Dodger this year. Okay, so yeah, on and off the field, Russ, I feel like you have definitely invested in yourself. I'm, I'm wondering how you feel like your finance background has served you in baseball. I think it's helped a ton and it's mostly specifically in the scouting department. It's, it's the ability to kind of like see numbers, understand numbers and remember numbers. And, and that's, you know, something that I've, I've always liked math. I was pretty good at math. And then I went and did the finance stuff in college, obviously a lot of math based. So, you know, I can, you know, since I said Nolan Arenado earlier, like I can be able to look at, you know, what he hits against two, one sliders, one, two curveballs, like what gets put on the ground more, what's get, what get, what gets more swing and misses, um, you know, what he does early in the count, what he does ahead in the count, behind the count, that kind of stuff. I can kind of remember well when I'm on the mound. And when I was young, it kind of boggled me down. I'd be up there and I'd be thinking about too much stuff because I wasn't preparing as much as I wanted to. So now I'd prepare like crazy where that's just ingrained in me when I'm on the mound and I just know it as opposed to like actually having to think about it. I just know it, right? Like it just, it's kind of there. And then you face them so many times that it just becomes second nature. But that, that side of it has helped for sure. Other than that, you know, if anything, it might just be annoying to be the guy that uh, just throws out stats and just knows random crap all the time. But <laughs> as far as when it's on the mountain, it matters. The numbers side definitely helps. How about taking care of your contract and any advice that guys ask you off the field, taking care of their own contracts? Are you talking like money management? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's been so fun. You know, I don't really take care of anyone's nest egg and the team or anything like that. Those, obviously, those will be the first calls after baseball. A little uh, <laughs> call to Clayton Kershaw, <laughs> you know. But um, it, it, it is really fun because these guys, they make a lot of money. And when you make a lot of money, a lot of really cool opportunities open up, whether that's in private investments or, or venture capitalists, whatever it might be. Obviously, there's the stock market. And then there's also the side of guys that just don't necessarily understand it. And they'll come up to me and be like, Hey, you know, my guy bought me stock X, Y, Z. Like, what do you think of it? And I'll dive in and let them know. And, and almost always it's great things, but it just creates a dialogue in a locker room when, you know, there's, there's still a mantra of money managers of kind of being crooks. And, and you hear horror stories like Jake Peavy and Kurt Schilling and, and even like Tim Duncan, I think got like $40 million stole, stolen from him over the course of his career. So guys know that kind of stuff. So if I can just be a little backboard soundboard for him to ask some questions, that's, it's great. So you wear a lot of hats. You are a husband, uh, a son, a major league baseball player, um, a financial advisor, and you also are a host of a podcast <laughs> among probably other things I left off the <laughs> list, uh, the big swing. And um, I know you and your friends started that podcast. And so it, I'm sure it's, 
always interesting now that you're on the other side, right? Usually you're the one asking the questions and now you have to go back to answering them. So I, I think it's so cool that you started this and you and your friend started this and we'll give him a shout out. But um, you've had, you just had uh, Kevin Biggio, Clayton Kershaw, Oral Hershiser, some of your recent guests. When you interview someone like your guy, Kirsch, like I heard you, you introduced him as Clayton, right? And you're like, I don't even call you Clayton. Yeah. I call you Kirsch. Like, are you nervous in that moment or are you just like, cool, calm, collected, this is my guy? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, we're like 80 something episodes in, so I've gotten a lot better, but props <laughs> to you because interviewing's hard. Interviewing's so hard because you're thinking about the next question and sometimes you don't even listen to what the guy says, right? And you have like this awesome opportunity to go down this tangent that he just brought up. And you're like, no, I don't, I wouldn't even listen. And let's, let's, what's your favorite color? You know, like it's just, it, you'll just lose it sometimes. And I've gotten way better. So definitely props to you guys for doing that. And, and to answer your question, when you're interviewing someone like Kershaw, no, I'm not nervous because I'm around him every day. Right. But when we've had some other guys, so for instance, when we go into the NBA, like I played high school basketball, but I don't know much about the NBA. My co-host, his name is Cooper. He loves the NBA. So yeah. we had uh, Pat Connington with the Bucks. We had Harrison Barnes, CJ McCollum. Like we've had some good NBA players on there. And I'm just kind of out of my element. And uh, that time I'll be nervous. But what's nice is like, this is a podcast. We've had to start a few things over is, you know, I'll, I'll be like, you know, very honored to have CJ McCollum. I'll be like, crap, that was terrible. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> We're very lucky to have CJ McCollum, you know? And uh, so that's, what's great about podcasting is, is you can start over, delete something, edit it out, whatever. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. We enjoy it. And I uh, feel like we've, I feel like we've given a like shown the other side to a lot of athletes when usually you get like kind of the Joe Blow, you know, rehearsed answers. I feel like we've been able to kick back and, and get some really cool interviews. I think that that's probably one thing that I at least struggle with the most is how formal do you have to be versus how much can you just be like, I'm just kicking it with my friends. And then you have to kind of watch what you're saying because the way you talk to your friends when you're just hanging out is definitely different than the way that you'd present yourself on the podcast. So uh, that that's a huge challenge for sure. But, and then the listening too. Yeah. And, and not missing that one thing that if somebody else was listening, they'd be like, Ooh, I want to hear more about that. And instead you're on to the next question for sure. Yeah. I, I totally feel you there. Um, let's dive into one thing that a lot of people have been talking about heading into the season that has been oddly controversial. I feel like on the lighter side of controversial, which is the fact that teams are pumping crowd noise into the stadium. What are your thoughts? So I've done, I guess I've thrown three inner squad games and one of them had it. And I tell you what, it's better than silence. It really is. But it is like noticeably odd and noticeably fake. And uh, they're also just trying stuff out. It's hard to tell what they'll go with. So like Justin Turner hit a homer off me and it was just crazy loud, like super aggressive, super loud. And I remember like getting kind of mad. I was like, dude, that's kind of rude, you know, but, uh, um, but then the idea that I'm on the mound and there's just like this white noise, you know, and it, you can tell it's fake. It, it, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of distracts you, I guess would be the right way to say it. But then dead silence is even worse because I can like hear what they're talking about in the dugout and stuff, you know, so I, I think I would rather have a little bit of white noise. It's just, uh, it's going to be some trial and error to figure out exactly kind of what we like better or what works better. Obviously you need something to pump you up. Right. And, um, Kershaw mentioned on your podcast, like, I don't know where we're going to get that, um, without the adrenaline. How do you, how do you create fake adrenaline? Well, I tell you what, Kershaw doesn't need it. Kershaw can get hyped up for a Tuesday game against the Marlins in April. Like it's no one's business. I mean, it's crazy. That's, that's where we have like a clear advantage is how, 
how pumped up like him and a Bueller and an Alex Wood, and I'll even throw myself in there. Like, I think that we are really good at motivating ourselves. And that's, that really stems from winning and wanting to win and expecting to win. Um, you know, we're obviously going to miss the fans. There's no doubt about that. So how, how you get pumped up? I don't know. Everyone's just going to have to dig down deep. I mean, it'll be easy at first because we haven't played baseball in so long. We're going to be all excited, but like that 20 to 40 game stretch where it's going to be hot and, and it's going to be kind of a weird season. And, and, you know, that's just, that's going to be on you personally. I mean, uh, for me, it's just a matter of kind of what we touched on earlier. I want to pitch in the rotation. I want to stay in the rotation. And I know I got to go out there and have success because we expect to win. And there's 10 guys behind me that are either already on the roster or in the minor leagues that are filthy and so good and uh, coming for my job. So that's plenty of motivation for me to just keep getting after it. We know Kershaw's got all the adrenaline. We also know that, at least from what he's told you, that he still wants to take BP. What's Kershaw taking BP look like? What does that sound like for somebody who hasn't heard it? It sounds, uh, sounds kind of like when he's pitching, you know, like he'll throw like a curveball he doesn't like and he'll give like a little scream. If you've ever seen the Kershaw scream, it's, it's going to be in full force this year with no fans. Uh, Wait, can you give us a, a little preview of what it's like? It's like a, a – so I got to think of it. He'll throw like a curveball that bounces in front of the plate and he'll go like, <laughs> like just like that. Like some – and he's such a Christian dude, family guy. Like some people be like, I think he cussed. And be like, no, that wasn't a cuss. That was just a scream. Um, you know, but what, what his BP sounds like is, is it's aggressive. He loves it. I mean, it's probably his like favorite 20 minutes of his day. And that's because his day is planned to the minute, possibly to the second, you know, it's, he's just so type a like that, but he enjoys it. He just likes being outside. He, he cuts off his sleeves, gets a little sun and tries to hit homers. It's uh, he, he, it really wouldn't surprise me if he does continue to hit BP. The other star the unexpected star of the Dodgers is uh, Mr. Francisco Herrera, a.k.a. Chico. And I, we were doing, you know, homework for this, Ross. And I'm like, there's a bajillion things going on with the Dodgers right now. Like, your club is so newsworthy, and you are so newsworthy in so many ways. And then you have Chico. And Chico has just won the hearts, I think, of every single person who loves baseball. Could Chico play Major League Baseball right now? Well, we still haven't seen the swing, right? <laughs> So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no to that one. But my gosh, uh, the ability to, to catch and throw from left field. I mean, we knew he had that kind of talent because he shags BP for us every day. He's got an unbelievable arm. And, uh, and then, yeah, it just caught on like wildfire, right? And just the, to get the opportunities, opportunities that he's gotten, you know, with those like kind of tough plays and then to take advantage of them. Like, I don't know if Cody's had to make one tough play all <laughs> all summer camp, but somehow Chico's like having to lay out in left field every other inning seems like. So it just is like fueling. It's almost like guys are hitting it to him on purpose maybe, but it, it really is so cool. Cause he's such a good kid and we love having him around and then to see him get his, you know, hopefully more than 15 minutes of fame, but it's been a lot of fun. I think they've been saying it on the broadcast. He tried out for the Dodgers in like 2013, you know, like went to Arizona and did one of those open tryouts and didn't make it, but I guess was impressive enough to join as a, as a locker room attendant. And, um, I mean, just a Dodger through and through now, like how cool is that? You know, I, and then now just the most viral thing on social media. It's just, it's great. We love seeing it. All right, Ross, time for a rapid fire. We ask you a bunch of questions and you spit out the first thing that comes to your mind. Great. One player you looked up to when you were growing up as a kid. Oh gosh, it's a bad thing now, but it was A-Rod. I grew up watching the Rangers. Um, gosh, yeah, just ex delete that off this, huh? Um, <laughs> let's go, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, 
I'll stick with it. A-Rod, that's not rapid fire. That was like a five-minute answer. A-Rod. You're doing great. You're doing great. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. What about your best Halloween costume? Oh, uh, one time I went as a black eyed pea with my buddy. So I, I bought a white shirt and it was a, it was a black light party. This was in college. So I bought a white shirt and I highlighted a pea on me, like just a, in, in like a, you know, regular highlighter. And then I had my now wife put a black eye of makeup on me. So I was a black eyed pea, right? Cause the peas on my shirt. Classic. Clutch. That was a good one. Yeah. What an amazing play on words. I don't think I've ever seen that before. That's one of the more unique costumes I think I've ever heard. Should uh, try it out this year. (laughs) All right. It was Bellinger's birthday this week. If you could give Bellinger anything for his birthday, the guy who seemingly has it all. Yeah. What would you give him? Gosh, you guys have hard hitting rapids. Usually just like, what's your favorite color? (laughs) Um, If I could give Belly anything. Good question. I guess right now I'd give him a razor. He's got really long hair and kind of this goofy little beard going, but the beard won him an MVP last year. So let him keep rocking it um yeah but that'd be my gift i'll just wrap it up nice electric razor <laughs> solid beard yeah okay who's been the best guest on your podcast i say rich hill and this is another kind of long answer and i apologize but he he basically his season almost ended in san francisco he, he ended up having that you know, second Tommy John surgery. And we were supposed to record that night. And I remember going up to him and being like, dude, you know, he got pulled from that start early. He was hurt. And I said, man, we don't have to do this. And he said, no, let's do it. And we go to this, uh, we actually go to a studio in San Francisco that specializes in podcasts. And Rich Hill had a, had a son that passed away. He was in indie ball. Like he's had a really emotional career. He's now in his forties and he is crying. He's crying while I'm interviewing him. And it's just like the most, I don't know, just, uh, amazing interview that I've ever done and 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 uh, just to be able to let people hear that was was really cool and um, it's a really cool episode and and uh, I've always said that that was my favorite I don't know that we've ever had anyone cry on our podcast before I don't uh, that might be tough for me to react to what was your reaction it was hard it was it was really hard what really thankful is even though he was crying he was still talking so I mean, it was probably a 45 minute interview and I bet I only talked for five minutes. I mean, he has such a cool story that he just went with it. And there were times where he had to take a break because he got emotional and then he would just get going again. It was, it was really good. What a gift. That is so cool. When when you don't have to ask too many questions when the person is willing to give you all that. I think those are some of the best interviews. Yeah, no doubt. Like this one. That's what she means. Exactly. Yeah. This has been a great one. (laughs) All right. So if, for some reason, they decided not to pump crowd noise into the stadium, and you had to pick between the noise of LA traffic or the noise of LA fireworks. Which one would you pick? Oh man, you guys have great questions. Um, anything but traffic, right? I mean, I'd rather have like fingernails down a chalkboard than LA traffic. Uh, the fireworks are tough too. I don't know what's going on with the fireworks. That's just like a whole thing around the country right now. I, I live next to a 130 pound Bernie's mountain dog and uh he hates the fireworks like every night he's just super scared of fireworks so I always feel bad for him so anybody in LA listening uh stop the fireworks because you're making George upset (laughs) New New York LA across the country make them stop (laughs) okay if you could record yourself heckling a teammate who would you heckle and what would you say I would heckle Bueller no doubt about it for one, because it'd fire him up, so he'd just go throw like eight shutty. Um, 
and what would I would say? I would, I would, uh, oh man, there's so many ways you could go. You could say like, dude, you don't even throw hard. Um, you know, my changeups, your fastball. Um, you could hit him with uh, like any, any kind of like driveline stuff, you know, where he, he feels like he really excels in like the new era of baseball analytics. Be like, dude, you don't, your spin's not even efficient, bro. You know, like hit him with like just really stupid stuff and he would hate it. And uh, like Vanderbilt stinks, you know, no, what, there's never been one good pitcher come out of Vanderbilt. Just keep just wearing him out. He would, oh man, he gets so fired up, but he, it would, it would end up working in everyone's favor. Cause like I said, he would just go he'd throw like a complete game shutout. That's epic. That's that smart trash talk. That's the best kind. All right. How about the uh, most famous celeb that you've ever met being an LA guy? Yeah. Wow. Good question again. You know, it's, it's a pretty good list really now. Um, the one that I enjoyed meeting the most would be Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell hosted Kershaw's ping pong event and just such a funny guy. And it seems like effortless funny. And, and what was cool about him is he, he knew everything about me. He seemed like he was more excited to meet me than I was to meet him and, and just how cool that felt. Um, I remember meeting Kobe Bryant was pretty jaw-dropping. Um, and then there's a lot of fun ones after that, like Jason Bateman, Justin Timberlake's a big one, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis throw out the first pitch every year. They're in the locker room a couple times a year. Uh, uh, it's it's uh, That's one really cool thing. Like I, I remember uh, I pitched a – a playoff inning and I walk in and ice cube is standing above our dugout, like cheering. And I was like, man, that's cool. So, uh, yeah, it's, that's one really cool thing about being a know it. Ross, Danny, real quick. I yeah. give this suggestion to everyone who's a big Will Ferrell fan. Have you seen his original audition tape for SNL? I have. Yeah. Okay. I have, yeah. Good. I've, I like it went down a YouTube black hole one time. I watched like Jimmy Fallon, Will Ferrell's like a lot of theirs. Yeah. How it's, that's when they were their funniest, right? And that's not a dig at Will Ferrell. He's made unbelievable movies. But, like, the SNL stuff is just so funny. My favorite is when he's screaming for the kids to get off the shed. <laughs> when he's flipping burgers. Yeah. That award-winning potato salad. And then when he tells Susan to hold all his calls and gets on the floor and he pretends to be a cat with this little <laughs> ball of yarn. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just priceless. He's so yep. good. Yeah, it really is. Okay, uh, Vin Scully. Do you have a favorite story, a favorite moment with him? Well, yeah, for sure. Um, what was so cool about Ben was he would just come in the locker room and just sit with you. You know, we might be in a group of two or three guys just kind of BSing before we go outside for BP or whatever, and Ben would just come sit. And the amount of stories that he had, and you would think I could come up with one, but he always had these crazy stories from like Jackie Robinson days, Sandy Koufax days, and 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 what's funny is, is sometimes when like a older gentleman or, or someone will come sit with you, it's almost like a burden. Like they're telling a story and you're like, man, like, come on, I'm trying to go get ready for work. But like when Ben talked, it was not that way. It was like, dude, tell me another one. And then another one, it was, it was just, he just had such a cool like aura around him and, and always so fun. And, and so uh, just like high spirited all the time. And, and we miss him. I mean, I haven't, I literally haven't seen him since my rookie year in 2016. So we miss him for sure. As, as far as wish I'd give you one, maybe like individual story, but I don't know. I'd feel like I kind of captured him well there. That's just yeah. who he was. Absolutely. It's the aura for sure. How about the batter that you're most looking forward to facing when they step in the box this season? Good question. Um, I mean, Mike Trout's always up there. I have historically, done terrible against him I think I got him out for the first time last year but that's always like a, a really cool at bat you know theoretically be able to tell my grandkids someday that I 
face the best hitter in the history of baseball. You know, that's always a good battle. Uh, I like, I like facing off with Nolan Arenado specifically in LA, not in Colorado, but that's always <laughs> a good battle too. Cause Nolan's like, he's just so fired up. It's like, he just chugged three Red Bulls before every at bat. His eyes are huge. And he's like stomping on the ground. He like does this crazy stuff and he'll take a pitch, but he'll like take it real aggressively. And you're just like, dude, relax. Like that was an OO curveball, you know? Um, it's it's uh those those two are always fun okay what about a dream podcast guest you haven't gotten on but you really want yeah we always say lebron it's it's definitely lebron my guess is that'll never happen but one can dream uh from an acting you know being in la i think from an acting realm i'd love to have like a brad pitt or a leo on there that would be cool uh that i would be into you talk about like being nervous earlier like all three of those would would make me super nervous for sure be sweating (laughs) yeah I listened to Leo and Brad on Mark Marin's podcast and the audio messed up. Yo, he was nervous going into it, which was hilarious. And then when the audio messed up, he had like a meltdown. It was, yeah. it, it's worth a listen. It was pretty good. And Brad Pitt seems like the coolest dude ever. So uh, I, I concur on that one. Okay. So I'm sure you saw that video of Joe Kelly launching a pitch into his house's window. Oh uh, yeah, of course. What did you think when you saw that? I thought it was an awesome uh, advertisement for Clean Fuego, which is what he threw into the window. Um, Clean Fuego is like this little half of baseball that one of our coaches invented. And uh, the other thing I thought was like, of course, you know, if anybody was going to do that is Joe Kelly. And it's just so funny. Um, You know, it's just, I mean, gosh, we're big leaguers and that's like a 10 by 10 foot net and he whiffs it and breaks a window. You know, it's great. Um, That's kind of the first things I thought. I instantly text him. You know, we knew about it days before it actually went viral. So then when it went viral, we were glad that it did because it was, it was worth everyone getting to see. My last question for you in our rapid fire is, why is this the year the Dodgers win it all? Well, we're built for it. I mean, my gosh, look at our roster. Um, you know, you, there's not a single hole in our lineup. And if, you know, God forbid someone gets hurt, we got plenty of depth behind them of guys coming in. The DH is only going to make us better. Um, and then rotation's good. We talked about that. And then we added guys like Blake Trinan in our bullpen, who I can't even play catch with because he's so filthy. It's just, <laughs> it, you feel like unsafe trying to catch his sinker. Um, and, you know, obviously a team with the depth that we have is probably built better for 162 and, and, you know, to be able to really do it over the long haul, but we're also really good. We're going to be good over 60 games too. And we have the experience. We have multiple MVPs. We have Cy Youngs. We got rookies of the year. Um, I mean, Corey Seager is going to hit like sixth for us. I mean, my gosh, think about that. So it's just so much talent and hunger, right? You know, obviously the stuff with the Astros went down this off season. People don't forget about that. Um, then we lost to the Red Sox the next year and then got kicked out early by, you know, the World Series champions nationals early in the playoffs last year. So hungry and, uh, you know, certainly no one in our locker room is going to feel like it's an asterisk when we go and win it this year. You know, it's it's going to if anything, it might be even harder with how strange and and difficult of a year this is going to be. So I just all that put into one Dodgers, man, we're, we're ready to rock. Yeah. And the podcast, every podcast. So everyone has to uh to come up with an embarrassing story and it can be something from when you were a kid or something that happened recently something that if you had that men in black mind eraser device you would totally use it on yourself because you're like this is super cringeworthy yep so is there I an embarrassing story oh yeah, yeah it's okay, great good. okay um 
All right. So Michael Walker was my college roommate and Michael Walker obviously pitched for the Cardinals. And when I was a rookie 2016, this is my first time to Bush stadium in St. Louis and Adam Wainwright and Michael Walker are identical from more than a hundred feet away. I mean, they're literally the same human and Adam Wainwright is, is stretching in center field. He's getting ready for a bullpen. And I walk out of the dugout. This is a day game. Uh, I walk out of the dugout thinking, that that's Waka in center field. And I'm like, that's great. I'm gonna go hang out with him for a while before I play catch. And, you know, I've known Waka since he's 18. We're like best friends. And I go into just full idiot mode and I'm running out like high knees, like above the head waving like, Hey, Michael, you know, like just being so stupid. And I mean, he's all the way in center field. So this is a good, I mean, this is a 300 foot jog, right? And I'm doing this stupid high knee thing. And I finally get to within, you know, let's say 75 feet of him. And I realize it's Adam Wainwright, who I've never met before and probably doesn't even know who I am. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I'm so far that I have to keep going, right? Because he's been staring at me the whole time. Like, it's not like he didn't see me coming. So I get to him and I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. I thought you were walk up. My name's Ross. <laughs> like I shake his hand and I just run away like, like a little kid, like just run back to the dugout. And uh, by the time I get back to my phone, I already have a text from Waka that said like, hey, sounds like you met Wayno. <laughs> like, yeah, I did. Apologize <laughs> to him for me. Oh my God, that's so good. Yes. That is so good. Oh, it still like gives me the heebie-jeebies thinking about it. It's just so embarrassing. That's the cringeworthy content we're here for, man. That's what yep. it is. Happy to help. Ross, thank you so much for dropping uh, by for the podcast today and for sharing all of your stories with us, for telling us all about getting ready for the season and sharing some awesome memories with players and, uh, and, and how this is going to go down. We're super excited to see you on the field. We're super excited to see you in that rotation. And we can't wait for baseball to get underway. But mainly, we're just really appreciative that you came by the podcast today. So thank you. Of course, this is a lot of fun. You guys keep up the good work. Thanks so much, dude. We appreciate you.